0: Introverted noise. Hurry oh, yeah, up, Daddy. Let's do
1: it. Five seconds
2: to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the eleven. But now he oh, pitches at it. Bob to oh, Williams! My...
1: Touchdown! You got a Big
3: all right and welcome back to another episode of the climbing the pocket podcast i am your host jason brown you can find me on twitter at brownjason. and it finally happened i can't believe it but we got the full crew everybody is here so let's just get to it let's not waste any time my man qb1 jr how you doing how you been
2: Busy, man. Let's just say that. I'll leave it at that. But being busy is a good thing. You know, it's draft season. So everything is going crazy for me right now. And, you know, still being a twin dad as well. Everything is going crazy.
3: Yeah, man. So draft season, your favorite season. Like, tell us about it. What's going on with that? What's keeping you the most busy other than the twin girls as you uh you know get things going towards the draft uh, this month?
2: Uh, we got some things we're trying to figure out for the draft. Of course, of course, I won't be in Vegas for the draft this year, just because we know the pandemic that's going on and everything with that. So we're still still ironing out some kinks as far as how we're going to handle the draft for some coverage, which will be released uh here soon. And then we know the draft guide coming out April thirteenth, uh, the Monday after next. So excited about that. That's really my life right now. Everything is consumed with that. But I'm excited. I love the process about it all.
3: All right. All right. And uh, my man. I mean, you don't have two of them, but you got one, Miles, Super Dad. How's it going? How are things? Man, things are
0: good. Things are we're adjusting, um, but things are good. Uh, he's a handful, though, man. He's a uh, he's crazy. That like, JR knows, and you know Jason. Um, but like when they start moving and crawling and and walking, and they don't stop, so get it like you can't take your eyes. like i'm at a point it's like it's obviously at that point now where you like you can't take your eyes off of them when they're when they're awake because <laughs> they're going to be gone and and so Isaiah's chasing our dog and our cat around around the house already so the cat and the dog are annoyed by it already so that's that's just kind of where it is but it's fun <laughs> um just, white, wife and i have to to being at home all the time for work now too and uh justin to with uh how we're handling and taking shifts with Isaiah while we try to get like meetings and stuff done. So, uh, it's a lot, but, uh, we're just blessed to be in a, to have an opportunity to be able to still do it. So, uh, it's, but we're, we're having fun with him. He's, he's great. And, uh, he's at that fun stage right now, but yeah, man, fun good.
3: stage moving around all the personality and, uh, last but not least the one yeah. non-parent, Oh man, Saxy Prince. How you doing? Is, that uh, we know of. is dinner in the oven <clears throat> right now? How's that going? Man, is that still a joke? Uh, Yink is like that we know of. He's got a little...
1: <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> I'm telling y'all, one of these times you're gonna have me show up. So it's like some person in Minneapolis is gonna make some rap rap song coming at me like Drake or something like that, and it's gonna reveal that I have like three estranged kids somewhere. I feel like if I feel <clears throat> so like just, if you had just, those just kids, wait, they would have come
3: to, to live with you during during the coronavirus lockdown that we're in right now. Your your <laughs> all your families would have come move in with well, you.
1: my mom? My mom lives in Minnesota, so I mean, so, they be they be over there. But anyways,
0: they be eating well though. That's for sure.
1: They would be. Yo, oh my goodness, yes, they would be eating well. Um, life is has has been, um, you know, crazy as you guys know. Um, obviously, outside the pandemic, uh, last two months have been filled with a lot of uh, theater production rehearsals, and then I've had I've had a show for the last month, so. Um, been off the show for the last couple of weeks, which has been a nice break. So, uh, but the show went really, really well. Uh, you know, we, we went into our final weekend, um, when the pandemic kind of ramped up and then, um, all the shows in Minneapolis are all, were all closing and, you know, um, you know, canceled and all that stuff. And we were like the only show in town that was still, still going. But at that time you could have a gathering of 50, uh, 50 or less people. So. Uh, the last couple of shows were a little thin, but it was it was it was nice that we could at
3: least close out the show. So um, happy. Yeah, man. And and it's nice reviews and things in the press. People saying that you killed the role. So shout out to you for that.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was uh, Um, it's the first time I, I had been done a lot of theater in my uh, in my young career. Um, But uh, it was a role that just kind of spoke, you know, so heavily to me. And, uh, you know, really first time stepping into that. Um, uh, into a role that was just like it, it was it was it was challenging we only had a month of rehearsals and we had to uh, do everything from obviously you know the most obvious part learning the script and then doing all the other blocking all that stuff but also we had the dialect that we had to work with as well too uh, because it does take place in 1896 in Zimbabwe or Rhodesia at that time so uh, that was an aspect of it it was it was a lot of work but I mean we had such a talented talented cast uh, which really made
3: the show shine. What's been the biggest adjustment for you since you know, everything basically shut down and life went on lockdown, Miles? Um,
0: the biggest? I mean, I guess just being... <laughs> uh, I mean, do, doing the work, doing my work 24-7, se- not, not 24-7, but five days a week uh, from home uh, is a new adjustment, especially with my wife and my son at home. Um, I got used to... Working with him at home on one day a week, uh, so there's a little bit of that easier adjustment for me because I've I had to do it. Um, maybe the not really getting to go out and go anywhere—that's uh, probably the biggest. I'm sure as for most of y'all, but um, yeah, that'd probably be the biggest one for me. And meetings, meetings with clients and my clients can be um, because you trying to get you got to get everybody involved and getting everybody involved when you can't go talk to them face to face. Is a little bit harder but i think the technology that we have nowadays um like there's so many different apps and stuff that you can use to like link up really quickly like that we already use so um, i think that's made the adjustment a lot easier i'm sure a company like mine's like wow we really could work from home a lot more than we do but we don't want our employees to realize that but they're gonna realize that now
3: <laughs> <laughs> and jr how about you man like i know that you've been doing a lot of the stuff with the draft guide a lot of appearances obviously you got the twins uh, has it been a big adjustment for you now, with uh, really everyone else also being on lockdown?
2: Yeah, just know there's too much estrogen in my house. I will say that. <laughs> I feel you on that <laughs> one, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm kidding. It's um, it's been a journey, man. Just seeing the girls grow up—they're walking now. So just seeing them running around has been pretty cool. And then, you know, trying to fit in appearances, which are crazy right now, with all these radio interviews and then finishing up the drive guide, but like I said, I enjoy the process. It's been, it's been fun for the most part.
3: All right. And Prince, other than eating dinner at, uh, at 9 PM, what other things have changed for you since, uh, you've been a lockdown?
1: Oh my God, you guys. This, oh. I, so I'm an extrovert as y'all know. So this is, this has been very, very difficult for me. Um, <clears throat> I mean, my workouts went from once a day to three times a day. Um, I mean, I'm practicing my instrument more, um, taking more walks, but it's like <clears throat> I, I don't know. I, I it's hard because I live uh, by the University of Minnesota, so it's 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 so weird to go from the university just being so vibrant and people walking and restaurants open all that stuff to everything. It's literally a ghost town now here, um, <clears throat> and it's it it has changed a lot more. So, I mean. I find myself more, I guess I would say bored, and trying to find more unique ways to entertain myself. But <laughs> it, it, you know, so it's it, it, it is it is, a, it is a struggle right Miles, now. me, why are me. laughing? To lie it has not <laughs> not been cute at all.
0: You know exactly why I'm laughing. Princess complaining because ain't got nothing to do. You want- man? I'll
2: give you something to do. <laughs>
1: I'm just saying, I'm just saying it's weird because this pandemic happened at a time where I was like, I was so, so busy. Like, I would, you know, get up for work for like seven and then I wouldn't get back home until like almost 11 o'clock. And I would do that for, I did that for like two months. So this pandemic is like, everything shut down. You can't do anything, all that stuff. It's just like such a huge 180 from what my life has been for like the last two months. So,
0: and I'm I'm not liking the people being sick and stuff. But I'm a I'm a homebody, so I low key. (laughs) Like we go on walks, we do all that, that's fun. But like I like being
3: home, so I don't mind. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Well, let's uh, I guess yeah, let's let's talk some football. Let's get to it. Let's do something. So uh yeah, the Vikings off season. The biggest move thus far has been the we can call it's definitely been an off off season. season. It's been an off season. It's definitely been yeah, they they wish they could start the game over, but it's been an off season. And uh, Prince, I'm going to start with you. Uh, I know I've talked to Miles on some other things, you know, and uh, JR tends to keep it pretty even keel. So I'm going to start with you on this one here. Talk to me about the Diggs trade because it's crazy how fandom works. Uh, Diggs was obviously, uh, obvious to me anyway, uh, our best, if not one of the best players on the Vikings offense last year. He's gone. In my view, that leaves a boat. Fans seem to have turned, and Diggs is not that good. But uh, what are your thoughts? Because I know that you were a loud proponent of Diggs being, you know, not just a great wide receiver, but the best wide receiver on the Vikings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What are your thoughts on how everything went down with this whole Diggs trade? Uh,
1: without sounding completely frustrated with the Vikings, um, I I am very comfortable in saying this phrase. I know that people will disagree with me. Uh, but Stefan Diggs was the, maybe outside of Percy Harvin, was the best wide receiver we've had since Randy Moss. And it's frustrating to, <clears throat> I guess, you know, obviously we're all fans. Obviously we interact with other fans and stuff. I, I think it's frustrating to see, um, you know, some of the vitriol that that that, that comes along with uh, Stefan Diggs getting trade, because I think it only – uh, confirms to me what I've been saying for a long time. If Randy Moss was on this team in today's day and age, um, <clears throat> I think he would have been ran out of town. Right? Um, because I think there's something about I think there's something about uh, like a, a a swagger or just like a um, a confidence in one's abilities that uh, doesn't... Yeah, and also personality that, that that doesn't sit well with Vikings fans and i think it's frustrated me it's bothered me just because i want the people who are the best to know that they're the best and go out there every single day and behave like they're the best and humble people don't eat as much stefan Diggs knew he was the best and he wanted to be treated as such and i don't blame him uh, for are, it. You,
3: are you telling me that Jer- jared allen didn't have personality or confidence i'm confused Yinka.
1: yes but jared allen anyways <laughs> um <laughs> So I mean, uh, it, 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 to, to to answer your exactly to answer your question, um, I think it's I think it's frustrating because, um, you know, Vikings can say, oh yeah, he didn't want to be here. He didn't. I mean, we've had enough uh, enough teams deal with players who like don't want to be a part of their their organization and stuff. And the problem is, is I think the Vikings are in a rebuild mode. And again, if they continue on with Kirk or they get a, a new young quarterback. Stefan Diggs is the kind of guy that you want for your young quarterback. I mean, he's he's only twenty six years old. Uh, he is he is a top five at his position. Uh, he he's a great leader and weapon, even though he's not always looked at as such. Um, I don't necessarily I, I don't like using the term diva because I, I I think it should it either needs to be more um, more frequently used around certain individuals or um, it needs to not be used at all. Um, so it, it's I. It, ultimately, it's frustrating to see a player of his caliber and his talent leave our organization and have people think that our team is going to be the same. He was our best player. There's there's no player, in my opinion, that it, that I can say had the the sheer level of impact so consistently. Now you can say Harrison Smith, you can say Daniil Hunter, um, but I think when you talk about where how, how far off this offense was. I think that this team can't afford to lose a Dale Hunter. I think this team can't afford to lose um, a Harrison Smith. I don't think that this team can afford to lose a Stefan Diggs and still be that, that that team that competes so consistently. So um, I, I, I would imagine that this team is going to struggle this season because of this, um, I, and, 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 I, and I don't mean struggle in terms of I don't think they're going to be 2-14. in 14. Um, They'll probably win a few games that are g- going to get people to believe that they're a better team than they actually are. Um, but at the end of the day, Buffalo Bills are a better team than Minnesota Vikings right now, and it, I don't think it's close. Okay, and 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 at You're the end of the day, wrong. it's it's, it's hey. part in part because of that trade.
0: Yeah, uh, and I'll I'll jump in too because I think to start off with, uh, the like folks folks seem really like okay, like I think fans and this will be most this is most fans for most teams. You find out a player doesn't want to play for your team, your city, whatever the, whatever it is. People don't care what the reason is. They just will turn on the player like that because they're like, oh, they don't want to play for my favorite team, so screw them. But my whole thing is why are people not wondering a little bit more of like why did Diggs want out? Because I understand he seems to be the only player that that we've seen this from in a while. But at the same time, like from someone that is making decent money, from someone that is as high profile as Diggs is, he had the Minneapolis Miracle, all those good things, but his personality—like we know he's a he's a good guy. He's a, like everything that people want to talk about, like an Antonio Brown, all the all these other people that uh, and wide receivers that people have compared Diggs to. Diggs isn't Diggs, he isn't those guys. He's a level-headed, very intelligent, works hard. He shows his uh, has his uh, heart on his sleeve. Uh, he shows his emotions. He does all that.
1: Miles, are you are you saying that Diggs has never gotten into an almost fight with an opposing head coach? Is that what I'm hearing you say? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly.
0: Okay, just making sure. Like, yeah, he might have had some heated conversations, but like, at the end of the day, Diggs is a good person. Like, you straight up seen it. You see him play play catch with kids. He's done all that. Like, he he has this persona about him that like is like he has this superstar type of persona about him. So with those type of people, the mentality is going to be different. His the way he conducts himself in certain situations to be different. But my whole situation is why fans aren't wondering a little bit more of like why he wants out. They just seem to be upset that he wants out. So like, all right, screw it. He wants out. So forget about him. We don't care about him anymore. And that's fine. Like if you want to move on from him, that's fine that we all have to do that at some point. Right. But my whole thing is maybe we just take a step back and be like, well, why did he want it out of this situation where he got to play with another elite receiver next to him. Get to play with an above average quarterback in Kirk Cousins. Um you know, an overall good roster. Why did he want out? And I think we like us in this group and in our, in our group chats we we've talked about this a little bit and I do think we have laid out good reasons why. I'm not going to do it right now just because I don't think we need to get go down that path, but I just think I'd like people to kind of take a step back and like look at why did he want out? And I think Matthew Caller had a really good article about it a little bit that laid out some of those details. But I mean, overall, I think that's just a, a way to look at it. And then two, Stephon Diggs was, and you have two. Like everybody wants to say, well, in this offense, why do you need to pay two elite, two receivers as much as you are? Well, maybe that's because <laughs> in the NFL, in today's NFL, having elite pass catchers um, should be what you're going after and not trying to limit and I think the Vikings offense deciding to stay very extremely run heavy um, and even more so in 2019 where Diggs saw less than 100 targets and I'm assuming Thielen would have been right in that same range if he'd played the whole the whole season having two elite players at those and in an extremely important position that helps dictate wins and you're not willing to utilize those players more often. It I, we've talked about this before, but it just baffles me that that this is the continued like approach to an offense in twenty nineteen heading into twenty twenty, where passing and using elite playmakers who can score touchdowns from anywhere in the field, using them in tandem and using them often has shown that it's a it's going to net you more positive than negative, especially these two guys. And then you take one away, and you take the least, you take away the mo- the most explosive one the one that led the league in down down the field targets, uh, led the league in receptions beyond whatever. I don't all the information in front of me, but a as explosive as Stefan Diggs um, that can do the things he can do in the football field. He's the one you get rid of, but then you're not willing to try to at least replace him in any capacity with someone that has some of those abilities. Tajay Sharp, like the guy, I think he's a solid route runner. He's a really good runner. I don't take that from him. He's a good player. Like, but like, come on, <laughs> like, he he is not like. And I'm and I I know they can't replace Stephon Diggs. That's okay. I've come to terms with that. And then trying to replicate a Stephon Diggs is going to be extremely hard to do. You don't find a guy like him every day. Obviously, the Vikings have ex- struggled struggled extremely to find wide receivers in itself. My issue is people are like, oh, well, they have the draft, so just take. This is a loaded draft class, therefore, that means that Vikings are going to find somebody automatically. That doesn't mean anything. The one thing that I I have always worried about with the Vikings, two positions, quarterback and wide receiver, is where they've they've struggled a lot at finding these positions early in the in, early in drafts. I know Teddy Bridgewater is probably the outlier. His injury issue. We don't know exactly how he's going to progress here in Minnesota. Um, so, but I'll give them that, that was a hit outside of that wide receiver has been either something they've just neglected to draft early or when they have drafted it early, it hasn't worked out. Um, so why am I supposed to be confident that it's going to work out now? Um, I don't know that. And so where the, the big concern for me goes is yes, you can find a receiver and you could probably find one that's with, with speed that's fast that can help. Um, the offense, but expecting that player as a rookie to be able to have a high impact is extremely hard to do. And so my worry is, how are you going to find, how are you going to be as an explosive of a passing game without someone like Stephon Diggs in your team? They'll find ways to do it in some capacity, but the consistency of it is likely not going to be there. So I I just don't know. And they don't seem to be in any rush or hurry to try to fix it. Um, obviously the draft is still a few weeks away, so they'll try to do it. And I'm all for the development of players. So I like using the draft for that. But right now in 2020, how are they supposed to be? Obviously they're not better, but how are they supposed to be? How are they supposed to continue to build off of 2019's offense by getting rid of their most explosive pass catcher? And so I just, and then not trying to find somebody with speed or someone that is that vertical threat to help, um, to help kind of mend a little bit of what that that hole you're you're trying to repair from losing? I, Diggs. I think the short answer oh. is
3: they uh, they they they're not. But Jr, let we'll get you in here because yeah. Miles brought up a couple things. Um, you know, obviously this off we've seen quite a few departures from from the Vikings. Stefan Diggs being the most notable of them, but there's been a lot of people kind of leaving the team. And Miles spoke to you know the. It's the, the the direction that the team wants to go on offense, that hard nose run-first um, offense. But this year, we've seen what appear to be, not appear to be, we've seen a lot more departures from the defensive side of the ball. Uh, we haven't really seen a lot of people come to sign with the Vikings. I guess two questions for you. First is, um, do you have any concerns about the Vikings locker room, the culture, just anything going on that with all these players? Just? not coming back and signing other places for what doesn't appear to be a lot of money. And then I guess you can just kind of take that and and talk to us about this draft and uh, what the Vikings are going to need to do to be competitive in 2020
2: when football games are played. Well, first and foremost, you sounded disgusted when you said run first off. (laughs) I
3: mean, it's it's 2020, so there was a little disgust there, just a little bit.
2: No, but um, there's just kind of this weird feeling you get. There's like a really different mixture of personalities, of course, which is in every locker room. But um, there was a mass exodus in the defensive back room, which I thought was kind of weird. And Trey Waynes had a, a Twitter Q&A a couple of days ago where he was just saying that it was just strictly business. But I kind of really don't believe that just because, I mean, nobody really had glowing reviews really to say much about uh, Mike Zimmer and what they learned in Minnesota. Of course, they thanked the organization, but there really was never no personal shout outs to anybody or anything like that. Uh, Trey Waynes was the guy that left J. Ron Curse. We know he didn't want to be here anymore just because he wanted an expanded role for the most part. And then the Mackenzie Alexander situation is one that I'm still really kind of scratching my head over just because Nickel Corner is such a huge and important position, Mike Zimmer's defense, and then to see him go away for $4 million on a one-year deal was just kind of mind-boggling to me, and then they really have so many holes to fill, and it's not just outside corner. They have another hole at at nickel corner now, and maybe they're higher on yield now uh, than what we were expecting just because of the whole you know, weed being legalized in the league now, so they don't have any worries about him getting suspended uh, any further now for his off-the-field stuff that's going on, so maybe they like him as an outside corner going further or moving into the future, but Nickel corner is something that is a huge question mark right now with McKenzie being gone. Mike Hughes is really hard to count on him now just because of the injury situations. his neck down the back stretch of last year it really was a weird injury that we really didn't get a lot of information on. It was something that really just kind of popped up, but the injuries are starting to stack up with him, and that really was a concern coming into the draft with him just because he's a guy that has a lot of nagging injuries going back to the days of Central Florida as well, so he has a torn ACL. He has a, he has a neck injury now as well, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if they double up at corner early on in the draft and, you know, pre-show we were talking about some guys that we do like. Uh, Jeff Gladney from TCU is one that they met at the con- met with formally at the Combine that they do like a lot. Uh, Jalen Johnson from Utah is another guy that they like. Uh, they met with him formally at the Combine as well. And there's plenty of others I can go on and on without getting into greater detail, but this is a really good cornerback class from outside corner to nickel corner as well. Meek Robinson from Louisiana Tech, Trajan Bandy from Miami. Here's some other guys that I think they will like and have high on the draft boards, whether that's in the fourth or fifth round or somewhere of that nature. But it's going to be really tough to replace so many starters that they're missing. And I know Xavier wasn't great, Trey Wayne's wasn't great, but you still don't want to go into you don't want to go into a year with so many new starters, especially on the back end, just because that's really one of the harder positions to transition to in the NFL. And then with the NFC North being so explosive from a passing game standpoint, uh, outside of the Bears, um, I think the Lions and Packers have a really explosive offensive attack. And then some of the the weapons that they do have on the perimeter, I think put a lot of stress on the Minnesota defense that we've seen it in years past just because of the struggles that we've had against Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. I think Detroit has a really good wide receiver core at the top. Devontae Adams always gives us headaches, so. Oh, they're, uh it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the secondary. And I'm really interested to see, it's going to be really interesting to see exactly what they do do to address it.
3: Yeah. And so you, you talked about the outside on, on, on one side of it all, and you can start miles could jump right in. Cause I know that, you know, he's going to have something to say about it. But one of the arguments that I've heard a lot about, you know, digs leaving and it not really being that big of a deal is that this is a historically great wide receiving class. So, uh, if you're looking at this class, not necessarily like a one for one replacement, but who are some of the players that you think the Vikings might be you know, interested in to to help fill that void and, and add some more explosiveness to the passing offense?
2: Yeah, it's going to be really hard to replace Diggs' production. And I think outside of Dalvin Cook, he was by far the most important offensive piece as far as explosion and then can take over games. I think Diggs was the guy that definitely could do that. And just seeing how he progressed being brought up through the Minnesota system and how he really transitioned into being a superstar, that's really gonna be hard to find. But I think a player that is very similar and could have a similar career path. is Jalen Rager from TCU. He is a guy that would surprise me if he's a first round pick. It wouldn't surprise me if he's there in the second round either, just because opinions are really all over the place about him. Very explosive. I thought he'd run a little bit better than what he did at the combine, but He's very explosive on film, a natural separator, and he's just always open, but he dealt with very bad quarterback play during his time at TCU, so he was never really to really put up the production that you're looking for, but he was always open when you're watching him on film, and you could could see that he was clearly frustrated uh, during some times when, whether it was an overthrow or underthrow, or the quarterback just not looking his way, so Jalen Rager is a guy that compares very favorably to Curtis Samuel. I think that's a very fair comparison for him as far as if you want an a NFL comparison. Uh, Samuel is a guy that has been a little bit underwhelming, but his progression has been, I would say, fine. But the quarterback play in Carolina really hasn't been able to help him flourish, and Rager is in a very similar situation. Uh, another guy that's been commonly pegged in Minnesota is Justin Jefferson from LSU, and he has a bit of an interesting fit with Minnesota just because Adam Thielen is a guy that really predominantly plays in the slot, and that's really where that's really where Justin Jefferson operated the most at LSU. So they would have to move Adam Thielen to that true traditional X receiver on the outside if they do end up selecting Jefferson. But I really like what he brings to the table, and I think I would be completely fine with him at 22 or 25 just because of what he does bring to the table as far as assets. and his
3: All right, Miles, so a couple of things I want to get to with you. Uh... What are your thoughts on Jefferson? Because I know you have some maybe differences of opinions in terms of how he might translate and how he could be used. And then are there any other receivers that JR hasn't mentioned that you would love it if uh, the Vikings were to draft them? And do you think the Vikings should double up at, uh, at the wide receiver position as well in this draft?
0: Yeah, I think with starting with Jefferson, I think um, watching his 2018 film, he played he played more on the outside. And I think in 2018, 2019, they moved him into the slot I think he could transition and translate to the NFL while playing that like Z receiver, outside receiver. Um, it doesn't have to be on the ball, so Z technically is like that move receiver um, that plays on the outside. Uh, Diggs played a lot of that. Um, Phelan's played a lot of that too when mixed in the mixed into the slot. Um, so I do think there's some like interchangeability there. Like like Jr said, like it doesn't mean that um, I think Jefferson could play on the outside, so I think it could still keep feeling, feeling on the slot. In the slot and um like three receiver sets and all that um because I think he has the speed and I think his he has a running ability from and the physicality from the outside to beat press coverage to beat uh and to win downfield so to me I I would be comfortable with him being able to to play that like interchangeable role and I think that's what was so great about Thielen and Diggs their um their chemistry on the field and they're like the way they could play off of each other was they both had the ability to do both play on the inside and play and a play on the outside and and play and and go downfield so um i think jefferson has that ability as well so that's kind of where i wouldn't even know if i'd say i differ i just don't think he's i wouldn't pigeonhole him into like the slot at the next level because i think he could play on the outside um so i wouldn't limit him to that um and then i'm a big rager fan so i would definitely be all about moving him and having him come to minnesota he could be the especially early on i think he could really be like a, a a gadget style player as he kind of like in that Debo Samuel role where he could um as he's continuing to progress and, and learn and and grow um and be a downfield threat but I think using him around the line of scrimmage getting the ball in his hands could be something they could do with him. Um like I said kind of like Debo Samuel um just as as he learns to progress and and work within this offense. Um but another guy I think um, that hasn't been hit on yet is Brandon Ayuk from uh Arizona State. He didn't run kind of like Rager. He didn't run as fast as I think people expected. I kind of I expected him to be more of like a mid four four guy. He ran ended up running a four or five flat, which is okay. Um, but he's kind of like a, a running back with a ball in his hands. He's kind of got this uh I don't even know how to explain it. Um, but like uh there's some like Golden Tate to his game, but not like but he's more of an outside receiver than Golden Tate ever was coming out of college. Um so I think He's got that big play ability, get the ball in his hands. He runs like a running back. He used to be running back. Um, he's a guy that I think could be a, a true Z receiver, play that, um, give him some end arounds. rounds, give him some uh, quick screens, uh, let him run deep posts and go routes. He, he fits that um, that build pretty well too. Um, so I like him. Uh, I know JR um, has talked about, or at least it's been mentioned, that the Vikings like Denzel Mims. Um, he'd be another guy. He doesn't fit the same style. As a you know, Digs and um, some of these other, I guess, slider receivers, um, you know, the sub six one receivers. Um, He's the bigger, physical. um, He's a big physical type of receiver, but he's got really good hips. Um, He runs pretty good routes, especially for the guy coming out of Baylor, who the the limited route tree that they run. But they asked him to do a lot of different things within that offense. He played inside. He played outside. He moved. He didn't just stay in one spot like we've seen guys. I think it was like Corey Coleman and uh, a couple other Baylor receivers coming out. They've been asked to kind of stay stationary in one spot and not move around. But Mims at, was asked to move around quite a bit um, and asked to run um, a various amounts of, of uh, routes. So I think he's not like, I guess, your quote-unquote um, typical Baylor receiver coming out where he's just a limited receiver that you need to kind of train. He has a little bit – he could do a little bit of everything. Uh, he ran extremely fast at the combine as well. Like, a, I think he ran a four three eight. Um, so there's a lot of big playability there. He's uh probably more of that like prototypical X receiver. Um, but I think that could fit with what the Vikings do um, with Thielen because that would still allow Thielen to kind of move around and um continue to be what he's been within this offense. Um, but then Mims can still get downfield as well. So those are two guys I really like. And then if you're looking at more of like the the mid round guys, for me. Um, and if you're looking to double up, which I do think they should double up, I don't know if they will. Um, just because we've seen in, the, in, the, in their history, they don't really seem to, to do that very often at a position like receiver. Um, but uh, Devin Duvernay is a guy I really like coming out of Texas. Um, he's, I don't think there's a, an exact comp, but I think Tyler Lockett, his game coming out of college, is, there's just some, some similarities there. He can do a little bit of everything, um, get the ball in his hands. He's extremely fast. He ran a 4 4 flat. Um, but he's also really good downfield. Um, he works primarily in the slot at Texas, but I think there's a little bit more ability um, to where he, he, like I said about Jefferson, I don't think he has to be exactly pigeonholed into the slot. I think there are ways to to get him on the outside, running deep posts, running, uh, you know, deep uh, comebacks, all that stuff. So I think he can be a little bit more of a um, a true wide receiver, not just uh, limited to the, to the slot. So I think, I think a guy like him could fit into this offense as a downfield. Boom,
3: there we go. I like that, I like that, I like that. And I feel like that's it. You know, we we want to jump in, get back to it. It had been a little while. I realized we hadn't really got together. I will take much of the blame for this. We recorded, and then I went on vacations and other things, blew up my foot and all kinds of stuff. So, like, we're back. We're back at it. It's the draft time. It's JR's favorite time. It's probably Miles' favorite time, too. We got Prince back, you know can't go outside, so might as well get him on here doing the podcast. So with that in mind, uh, Miles, saw you maybe tease a little something that you're working on. Uh, what what should we be looking out for that uh, that you might be cooking up for us?
0: Yeah, um, so Matt and I and and I uh, might might end up doing some of it myself too, but um, we're looking at doing some video content, at least um, maybe some Twitter Live where we um, kind of take some questions and talk through um, you know, some topics, Vikings, NFL draft topics as we head into the, the draft. So expect something like that to come out here the,
3: within the next week or so. Dope, dope. Prince, I'm going to put you on the spot. You know, you got nothing else to do. What uh, what can we look for? What should we see? What's going to be coming up on uh, the site, the channel, YouTube? What's going on? What you working on, man?
1: Um, well, now that it's draft season, I think I'm going to do a little bit more digging into uh, some of my top top guys and whatnot i know that jr and miles have put out ample resources on that but uh probably get some more opinions out there as far as like who are guys that i want the vikings to target and um you know how they they could be all right and
3: last but certainly not least jr my man obviously the draft guide is coming tell us a bit about it what's going on with this draft guide how many prospects you thinking about having in there when's it coming out where can people get it
2: so it'll be coming out April thirteenth, which is the Monday after next. It'll be around. I've uh, got right at three hundred prospects. So a new high for me. Excited about that. Um, I'm actually including kickers and punters this year in Longstoppers. So <laughs> that's a little bit of a that's, that's a little bit of a new addition. Kickers. Um, not really much as far as new from last year. It's pretty much the same thing. A little bit better graphics going on and a little bit easier to navigate throughout it as well so am really excited about that and i'm really excited to get it out to you guys so my favorite project of the year looking forward to it
3: hell yeah well we are looking forward to it as well and uh it was good to be back gentlemen good to catch up with you good to talk a little bit of vikings and uh yeah we'll we'll have to make sure we don't wait as long to get back and do this again but as always listeners thanks for sticking with us guys thanks for coming on and yeah that's it We will talk to you guys soon. Have a good one.